1: 8.05 on a Saturday morning, Joe Giglio in for Howard Eskin this morning right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Phil Jackson behind the glass with us and you guys on the phone lines, 888-729-9494, pound 9494. That's how you get a board. Beautiful Saturday morning here. Last day of September, the Eagles get set for a flight out to Los Angeles and a game, I think a tricky game, but a game they should be able to win Against the Los Angeles Chargers, which you're probably like me. I keep saying San Diego Chargers all week. I'm going to do that for a while. But they're playing the Los Angeles Chargers tomorrow. I got a lot of thoughts on the Eagles. We'll get to that as we go along here until 10 o'clock with you. Howard's going to call in at some point during what is his show, of course, uh, before he takes a trip out to Los Angeles as well. Mark Lawrence, playbook.com, coming up at 940. As you always hear him with the NFL and the college football picks. On Saturday morning, we'll get to the Eagles. Have a lot of thoughts on Doug Peterson, the week that he just went through, which is just ridiculous in this town. The way this town treats Doug Peterson—he's a good football coach—and the Eagles have a very good offense and a good team, I believe, going forward. We'll get to the Eagles stuff, predictions on the game, and all that. But I want to start with the big news in town, which was yesterday, which was the Philadelphia Phillies, who don't make much news. I mean, really think about it—it's been years. Since the Phillies made news, since the Phillies did something that got us talking to lead a show in football season, I never thought I would do that. But the Phillies made a big move yesterday, which was to fire Pete McKinnon. And off the top, I think this was the right decision. I think the Phillies made the right decision to get rid of this manager, to move on, and to try to find the right manager to take them into the future. And that press conference yesterday, I watched it a couple times. I listened to it at first, and I went and watched it because I wanted to see the body language and all that. It was uncomfortable. It was an uncomfortable press conference. I thought the decision was, was the right one, but it was weird to watch that. Uh, Matt Clentak, I don't think, is comfortable in, the, in that setting, and a lot of GMs and coaches aren't, uh, but I didn't think he was comfortable delivering that message. It was odd timing, considering they did give him a contract extension in May. McCannon did not hold back that he was disappointed, though he kind of took the company line and said, well, I'm happy to stay. So it was a weird day for the Phillies. But I believe it's one we'll look back on and say they made the right decision. I have not been a fan of Pete McCann as a manager for some time. I think what we were told he does well was overrated. The communication with players. I saw far too many times this year where he made life more difficult for some of his players through the media. Odubo Herrera, Mike Franco. I don't think he did those kids any favors with the way he talked about their play or whatever the conversation was about them. So I wasn't a fan of that. I thought his lineup decisions were just uninspiring, uh, borderline unprepared, the way he put a, a lineup out there a lot of times. I just didn't think he was a good manager. And did he was he thrust into a tough situation? Sure. I mean, the team wasn't going to win. The team wasn't going to win many games with the roster they had the last couple of years. So this isn't even about wins and losses with Pete McCannon. I don't, I don't even care what his record is. I just didn't think he was a very good manager, uh, a tactician he was not. Can you think of one time that Pete McKinnon made a move during a game that you felt he was two steps ahead of the other manager in the other dugout? I, I can't. I can't think of any. I think he was too old school for a new school front office that wants to be even more new school. And I think the time, you know, the one thing I believe yesterday, because sometimes when we have these press conferences, you sit back, and you like, well, you know, are they telling the truth? Are they just, is it a spin thing? The one thing that yesterday stood out to me, and I believe it is, the Phillies' timeline is moving faster than they imagined. The second half, which if you want to give Pete McCannon some credit for, whatever, give him credit. Uh, but the second half of the season with the play of these young players, but Nick Williams and the Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola merging into an ace-like pitcher, I think they look at it and say, we're not that far away now. So I think it sped things up, and I never believed that the Phillies actually thought Pete McCannon would be the manager of this team when they were ready to take that next step, and I think that next step in their eyes is 2018. So if that was the thinking, then you got to make the move now. If you never envisioned Pete McCannon as a manager of a winning team, then if you believe you're about to be a winning team or close to that, you make the move now. And just to go back to that contract extension, because that's going to get talked about a lot here in the next couple of days. Like, why did the Phillies do this? Do, you know, do they know what they're doing? Why extend a manager in May? To fire him in September, well, I had this take on the contract and the you know the new contract extension when it happened. It was it was hocus pocus. There wasn't much there. They all they did really was pick up the option on 2018 and gave him a new option for 2019. All that was in the moment was to stop us from talking about Pete's job every day and to take that distraction away from the team. I don't think it was anything more than that. I don't think it was a a sign that they believed in him. I mean, they may have said that in that press conference in May, but I never believed that. I never believed that it was a sign. They wanted him around here long-term. So I don't think that has anything to do with what happened on Friday afternoon. Does it look weird? Sure. It does. It looks like a, a, a organization that changes its mind every couple months. I don't believe that's really what it was though. Now, if they had given him a new four year deal, And said, he's our guy to take this team to the next level. We envision him here in 2019, 2020, and beyond. Then I would have said, what are you guys doing? That would have made no sense. But that wasn't what that contract was. 888-729-9494. That's the phone number to hop in. And how do you feel on this? I'm, I'm on board with what the Phillies did. I don't think Pete McKenna was a good manager. And I think there are better options out there. And I expect a long search here. And... The Phillies haven't had a search in a long time, a real, you know, a true search in a long time. They had hired guys from within. There really didn't seem to be a search after Charlie Manuel. There didn't seem to be a, you know, a search. Well, there wasn't a search when they just gave Pete McCann the job when Sandberg walked out, and then they let him stick around. They haven't had a really search for a manager in over a decade. This is going to be an interesting time for the Phillies. I'll give you some names in a little bit that I, I think that, make some sense to Phillies, but expect a lot of names. I think this will be a wide search. I think there will be 10, 15, 20 names you you read about, hear about on the air. Who knows how many get interviewed? 10, 12. I think they should have a, cast a wide net here to find their next guy, but I would not be surprised if it, an internal candidate is the best one they find. Now, on to the Eagles and, and this game coming up on Sunday against the Chargers. It is a... I think a really difficult game to peg Vegas has it as, and I'm sure Mark Lawrence will give us some thoughts on this in a little while. Vegas has it as a two point favorite for the chargers. The Eagles go into this game as a two point underdog. And I'll give you the only couple reasons I can think to make this seem like it makes any sense because I look at these two teams and the Eagles are the better football team. There's no question in my mind. The chargers are not a good team. There is a perception out there and that's been, it's been perpetuated for a while now. Oh, the Chargers are a good team that just has bad luck. The Chargers last 40 games. They're 11-29. and 29. You know how many teams are worse than that in the NFL? Three. The Browns, the 49ers, and the Bears. They're not a good team. And when you're a bad team over 40 games, you're bad. It's one thing if you have a, a tough season where you lose a lot of close games, you could say, all right, that's not really what they were. They had bad luck. If you play 40 football games, you only win 11, I don't care how many stars you have. And they have some stars. Phillip Rivers, borderline Hall of Famer, Ingram and Bosa. Great pass rushing combination. Keenan Allen's a good receiver. We know Antonio Gates. They have five or six or seven really good players. But that's not a good football team. There's a difference between having good players and having a good team. The bottom of their roster, the middle of their roster, stinks. That's why they lose these close games. Yet they're favorites. And the couple reasons that pop off the top of my head are Eagles have not played well on the road now. Overall, since Doug Peterson took over. They have not been a good road team. Good home team, not a good road team. They could try to change that perception with the win. The tough physical game from last week, I think that plays into it. Teams that have that high the Eagles had last Sunday tend to come off it. And I think on Sunday, we're going to learn about a lot about this year's Eagles team. And I think if the Eagles do go out there and perform, some of the questions about Doug Peterson should hopefully stop. I doubt they will, because this town loves to just blast Doug Peterson. I just find the whole thing so comical that it's been a week of 4th and 8 after what is one of the best wins the Eagles have had in years. Emotional win over a division rival on a last-second field goal. A great field goal. And we've talked so much about 4th and 8. Doug Peterson is a good coach. He has a good scheme. The Eagles are virtually top 10 in every offensive category, and yet it's 4th and 8th, 4th and 8th, 4th and eight. It's ridiculous. If the Eagles go out there and take care of business and beat a bad team... I think maybe the conversation about Doug will shift a little bit, though. I'm probably wrong because you guys just love to tear out, tear apart Doug Peterson and talk about fourth and eight. As if that decision is what we should be talking about all week, but the road game traveling east to west, the chargers being a team that plays close games, the perception that the Chargers are a good team. All that's there. I think it's a close game, but I think the Eagles are the better team. Uh, the injuries hurt. Sure. And Fletcher Cox and no Darren Sproles are big injuries. But I look at it and I say, the Eagles are the better team, top to bottom in this football game. And if the Chargers are as bad as they've you know, shown to be for a while, I think the Eagles are going to go to 3-1. and 8-8, 94-94. Eight eight, nine, that gets your bored. Joe Giglio in for Howard Eskin. Let's start here with Mike in Westchester. What's up, Mike? Hey, Joe. Good morning. Good morning, bud. Hey, always a pleasure. You know, I don't know if you
0: saw my tweet, my response to your tweet about the, the, these idiot, idiotic fans booing Jason Worth. I so said, it's almost as, as ridiculous as wanting to fire a head coach over a fourth down call. There's a clue as some of these, call, these fans are. I mean, it's ridiculous. that, I mean, he obviously got that team playing last week, undermanned, against, uh, the, really against a team that was coming in desperate. Like, how could people not see that?
1: I don't know. There's this perception, Mike, of Doug Peterson. People just don't think he's smart. And there's a lot of this reminds me. And I've been thinking about this a lot during the week. It reminds me a lot of what Charlie Mann used to go through, where he didn't speak maybe um, the most articulately. Charlie didn't. And you listen to him. He said, "Ah, I'm not sure about this guy. But Behind the scenes, his team knew he knew what he was doing. His the players, team believed the him.
0: Players played for him, you know. That, right, that, that, just that, like that these matters. Eagles
1: players, they love Doug. I mean, I heard yeah. I heard um, Zach Ertz during the week talk about how everyone in that locker room loves playing for Doug Peterson.
0: Certainly not like Chip Kelly, where it was a divided locker room. As not the case, you got you've, all the players are on board, and that's the thing. Fans somehow sit at home and you know they play their uh, games or fancy football and. And they think that they're like uh, smarter than the coach. The minority of the fans—I'm not saying the majority—but some of the people just, just. I mean, just like what some people said. They, just, they say he's not a good coach, but how, how can these people complain if this team's two and one? I can't imagine if they're one and two or zero oh and three. You know.
1: Yeah, and the one loss came to right now the team that's the best in the NFL, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, on the road. It wasn't like a bad loss.
0: That, that's darn true. That, that was not, and 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 the Redskins' win is looking better and better, isn't it?
1: Oh, sure is. that that I thought the Reds' would be bad. Maybe I was wrong. I mean, they, they beat the Rams, and they took care of the Raiders last week. That win does look better.
0: Uh, yeah, this game's tough, I think, for the Eagles. I think they win, but the problem is that the Vegas has a long line to this because they're gonna, they're traveling. Teams are not really uh, – it's more west to east, but if you're traveling all, all the way across the country, I don't know. I, but it's, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a shoot. I think it's like a 30-27 game.
1: I think it, I, I could see how a good amount of points being scored, Mike. And I always appreciate your phone call. No Fletcher Cox. The Eagles still banged up on defense. And I think the Eagles will move the football. So I, I, I could see a game in the 20s at least for both teams. 8 8 On the Doug Peterson conversation that's happened all week, I do not believe he's treated fairly here. I don't. I mean, the team is objectively good. The Eagles are a good football team. It doesn't mean they're going to win tomorrow. I, th- I think tomorrow is one of the more difficult games to peg on the schedule all year long because of what Mike just said there, the east-to-west thing. Um, the Chargers always seem to play close games. The Eagles, I-, I think the biggest question mark for tomorrow, and I think it's why we're going to learn a lot about the Eagles, is how they handle prosperity. Last year, they didn't handle it well. Last year, they came off of a beatdown of the Steelers in Week 3. That was the game they went to 3 and O. 0 and we had a bye week after that, which I thought was a, a poor thing for them. I thought it was a bad timing bye week last year. They had two weeks to think about it. Lane Johnson's suspension went into effect. They went to Detroit, and they blew a game they should have won. They went to Detroit, and they could not take the good start they had and capitalize and keep going and become a playoff team last year. They weren't ready. I mean, I think if the roster wasn't ready, they weren't ready, rookie quarterback, rookie coach, but they didn't handle prosperity well last year. They gave it right back. We get to find out tomorrow if they can go beat a team I think they're better than. Just top to bottom, roster-wise, they're just better than the Chargers. I think they have a better coach, too, because I, I don't know enough about Anthony Lynn to say he's a good coach or a bad coach, but I think Doug's a good coach. So I think they have a better coach, better roster, and they're a better team. But last year, they gave the prosperity back. They gave 3-0 and right back, and they handed a, a loss. They put a loss on themselves in a game they probably should have won. In fact, they definitely should have won in Detroit last year. Now they go to Los Angeles in a weird stadium, a soccer stadium, no atmosphere against a team that plays a lot of close games. We're going to find out about the Eagles tomorrow, and we're going to find out about Doug a little bit. We keep learning more about Doug. I think he's a good coach. I think the fourth and eight stuff is just, it's, I think it's absurd what we've done all week. Talking about fourth and eight on, in the second quarter, 2.36 to go. We've made a week out of this. The Eagles are a good football team. I think Doug has them playing hard and playing the right way with a game plan that could fluctuate week in, week out based on matches. We find out more about the Eagles when we get back. Your phone calls. We'll talk to Howard a little bit. Mark Lawrence at 940. And I'll give you the first name that's on the top of my head for the Phillies managerial job. The guy I think is the best fit, and the guy I think would be a great candidate for the Philadelphia Phillies. 8 at Joe Gillia with you in for Howard Eskin. Sports Radio 94, WIP. 8.27 on a Saturday morning. Joe Giglio in for Howard Eskin. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Phil Jackson behind the glass. You guys with us. 888-729-9494. That's the same phone number to hop on our Stakem text Line, Texas show. We'll get to some of those a little bit later on. Mark Lawrence at 9.40 on some college games, a little NFL as we look forward to week four, which I think should be a really good week of games. Some interesting matchups around the NFL. We know the Eagles We'll be out, I wait for it, not San Diego, but out in Los Angeles in a soccer stadium, one that I've heard has no atmosphere. So it's going to be a weird atmosphere with the Eagles' Charges, kind of unfamiliar opponent. I think the Eagles are just a lot better than them. And we'll see if they can go out there and not have a letdown the way they did last year to an extent in Detroit after a 3-0 start. Now, I mentioned before the break, because we're also talking a little bit about the Phillies and what happened yesterday, letting go of Pete McCannon. I said I'd give you a name, and the one name that pops out to me, top of my head, as the potential replacement for Pete McCannon, and I say this knowing there's going to be a lot of candidates here. I think they're going to interview people within the organization, outside the organization, older guys, younger guys, big names, possibly. Dusty Wathan. you're going to hear this name a lot. I got a chance last year. So for the morning show, this was uh, June, I think May or June of 2016, I guess it was. So a year ago, I went out to Redding. For the morning show. And I, I did some interviews and, and talked to some people uh, for Anzlo and the morning show. And one of the people I got to talk to was Dusty Wathan, who was at that point the manager of double-A Redding, where at that point, a lot of these kids that are now here on the major league team were. I mean, yeah, Hoskins was, was doing his thing there. You had a whole bunch of really good players um, that are now Philadelphia Phillies, who are Alfaro, J.P. Crawford. were all there with Dusty Wathan at double-A. And I got a chance to talk to him. And the guy he reminded me of, and it was my first interaction with Dusty Wathen, was Terry Francona. He reminds me of Terry Francona, the way he talks. Kind of looks like him a little bit. Um, I just got a sense I was talking to like, his brother or his cousin or something. So that struck me right away. Two, I, I thought he was really smart. I he not know what he was talking about. It I, I took to him as a baseball guy right away. The third thing that intrigues me about Dusty Watson. Yesterday, Matt Klintak said he wants someone that could grow with this team and move forward with this team as they grow. Dusty Wathan literally managed every level of the minor league system in the last, I think, six or seven years and grew up with all these kids that are now graduating to the big leagues. He went from A to high A to double A to triple A. All the way. He has managed basically every level you can manage at. I, he's 44 years old, so he's got that youth, but he also is a former player. I, I think he is a really natural fit for the Phillies. Now, if a bigger name shakes loose, I know Buck Showalter's name is out there, manager of the Orioles, has ties to the Phillies, all that. That would be, you know, you put that name to the top of the list if he becomes available. If not, Dusty Watson's the guy that I'm looking at right now. 8 As we talk Doug and the Phillies uh, managerial search, I was going to throw this out because I don't know sometimes what you guys want in a coach or a manager. You know what I like about Doug? I like that he sticks to his guns. I like that he's aggressive. I like someone as a coach that the players like playing for, that is prepared, and has an M.O. Six to whatever he does and what he wants his team to be. I feel like watching the Eagles, Doug wants to be aggressive, and Doug wants to try to rip the heart out of the other team. That's what I took out of fourth and eight. That's what I think we missed out of fourth and eight. When you look at your coaches, what do you want? We rip a guy one day, we like him, the next guy... I think if you are who you are and you have a sound strategy and you could be adaptable, I like that. And I'm looking for that in the next Phillies manager. I think the Eagles have it in Doug Peterson. 888-729-9494. All right, let's get to the lines here. Lamont, the Cowboys fan. What's up, Lamont?
2: Hey, good morning, Joe. How you doing, buddy?
1: Doing well, pal. How are you? Nice to hear you on the radio, big guy. Listen, now you know Doug Peterson ain't running the show over there. It's Howie Roseman. And uh, Laurie over there running and making them calls. Come on. No, he's not not Um, making calls during the game, Lamont. Come on. You know know it. If Doug Peterson ain't making the calls like that. Of course he is. Lamont, (laughs) stop for a second. There's no GM in the NFL, no owner in the NFL making calls on Sunday. Yeah, I guarantee you got a bat phone down there calling downstairs to him. No way. Make this run, put the run in, throw the pass. I guarantee. There's no Lamont, there, there's no way that happens. If that was happening, they would be the biggest Mickey Mouse organization in the NFL. I don't believe yeah, it for or, a second. Well, you're getting ready to see it this week when they lose this week. Well, they could they lose. Could Look, lose. they could lose. The Chargers are in every close game. The Eagles are in close games. I don't think this is a lock this week. They're an 0-3 team. They're not good. But, I mean, you know it watching the NFL. The Chargers are a weird team where they're, they're always kind of in every game.
2: Oh yeah, you, with the quarterback, they
1: always going to be in there yeah. with that quarterback
2: they got. But you're going to see this week the secondary get exposed real big this week, and you're going to see what type of team this is this week because Rivers likes to throw it
1: out. He so does. That, the one thing though about Rivers, the last by year and a half or so, he throws a lot of interceptions. He puts it up for grabs. I think the Eagles are going to have to take one away to win this game. Yeah, like you, you got a secondary back there that can take it, take it away. Well, they took, they back took back two there? away last week. But who's good back there? Uh, Jenkins is still nope. back there. You ha- I-, I thought Rasul Douglas, the kid, has played really well uh, in the time he's been out there. So, you know, look, I think that turnovers are weird where you could have a team of young players. They still tip a ball or whatever and make a turnover, but they're going to need one this week. Lamont, you better worry about your game. The Rams are not a pushover anymore. Hey, listen, the Cowboys is about to take the division over. Uh-huh. let get ready to root for the Cowboys. We're giving applications out. Does anybody want to become a Cowboys fan? They can come over to us now before the season ends. I think that application sheet's going to be empty, Lamont, to be yeah. honest with you. I appreciate the phone call. Um, that is an interesting game tomorrow, the Cowboys and the Rams. That Rams team, and when I looked at the Eagles' schedule before the season, they have that game, I think it's late November, early December, in Los Angeles against the Rams. Tomorrow is their first of two trips to L.A. You kind of pencil that one in as, ah, eh, the Rams stink, Jared Goff can't play, and then that's an Eagles victory. I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, they, they have scored the most points in the NFL. They're not a pushover. McVay looks like a good coach. And that will be an interesting game. Wentz and Goff, the two quarterbacks from last year, that'll be an interesting matchup later in the season. Jeff is in Camden. What's going on, Jeff?
3: What's going on, Joe? Of course you don't feel that way because you see that this season, I'm not talking about you know down the line or last season because Goff didn't play that much, but you see that Goff can easily make throws that Carson Wentz is not capable of for some reason this season.
1: You mean down the field? Yeah,
3: actual, physical, mechanical throws. Yeah, the throws completed across the body with the – combination of accuracy and arm strength the boss fitted directly into the window past uh, 30 yards he's hitting on these throws and he didn't play that much last season and last year that offensive line was in peril so look man I look man, I like Carson Wentz you know I'm a friend of the Eagles you know what I'm saying and this is why this is really hard for me to say because I still want to punch everything that is a Dallas Cowboy dead in the damn face I will borrow my fist up and give it all knuckle. Turned over, elbow, shoulder, foot planted into the ground to deliver that. But I do respect anybody who directly confronts the uh, you know the the uh, attempt of a bully to suppress their uh, expression. Now uh, kneeling is not a disrupt. I'm not for any type of disruption. When, you know, they're not walking out and st- at, at halftime or anything like that, or stopping no what they you know these protests before the games there's no disruption going on there the disruption is when you decide to when you're a leader and you tell people to burn merchandise burn things with team's name on them that's just disrespect was writing somebody's name on a piece of paper and showing the gesture of burning that or rip it up or anything like that but in your own silent protest if you're not uh, you know, if you're not actually disrupting anything, everything's still going on, the time is still going on as the time was scheduled to go on. You know, it's not Hardy. I was at that preseason game when Hardy flew Wheeling Boys over the stadium during Flag Day. That is disrespect. That is disruption, okay? This is not. And just for one person. To to have their own personal feelings, just shadow over and influence others, and a small minority of others, shall I say? You know, I respect those guys, even though they're friends. You know, some of them are friends of. Them, I respect those guys for saying we stand united, not as a team, but as a league.
1: Yeah, I do too, people. Jeff. I do too. I thought last week, and it's it's amazing how this whole thing has been so twisted. And I appreciate your phone call. What last week was? I don't think last week was about. Um, what Colin Kaepernick started last year. I think last week was, was much different. I think last week was a league responding to the president of our country calling them out. That's what, And I'm fascinated to see what happens as we move forward here the rest of the season, if this stuff continues, if it doesn't. Um, I agree with Jeff said there on the uh, burning of tickets or the burning of jerseys. I just find that obnoxious and silly. You know, if you don't want to use your tickets anymore, and that's your right, uh, go give them to somebody. Go sell them and then donate the proceeds to charity. I mean, just, just do something constructive with it uh the same thing with a jersey give it to a kid like i, I don't i don't understand why someone would go burn a ticket or burn a jersey i don't know what that's going to accomplish let's talk to levi over brook park what's up levi hey,
2: how you doing there joe let me us let just say this much you know the bottom line with this whole thing is uh, what Kaepernick did he got awareness to to, the, to what was happening with regards to the police but this whole thing is now taking on a whole now, it then, uh, morphed into a whole another animal. You know, uh, uh, Donald Trump's got to act to grind with the NFL owners because they never wanted him part of that group, okay? He, when he was with the USFL and that one defunct, that was way back in the day. Those who should remember back then. You know, and, and he's got to act to grind with them owners anyway. So that, that now become personal between Donald Trump and the NFL and it, it, it spawned up on something else totally.
1: Yeah, it has. It's different now. What, what do you got on the Eagles, Levi?
2: I want mean, yeah, to talk about that. You know, what I want to see out of out of Wins this week, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's taboo to say anything against Wentz, and I'm not really saying anything against him. What I'm saying is I want to see that mid-range pass come into play this week because that's why the, the running game, I think, is suffering a little bit because we've been missing on that mid-range pass to outside Jeffries. We've been over a couple of times, been short a couple of times. I need Wins to try to get that ball in there. I need Jeffries and Wins to hook up a couple of times this week. I need him to hook up with Troy Smith a couple of times this week because I think if that mid-range pass opens up, the Eagles' running game will open up because they have to back off a little bit because that pass
1: is starting to work. Yeah, no, that, that will make a difference. I, I think more than the mid-range pass, though, Levi, I think he's got to hit those deep ones. That's the one this year. That, the one knock I have on Carson so far, and Levi, I always appreciate your phone call, is he's not hitting that deep pass. That's, that's been the big difference. And they're open. There's one or two per game that if he hits that. The Eagles right now, statistically, and Howard S is going to call in after the break, we'll talk to him about this because he had a tweet about this yesterday. And he mentioned it in the press conference. The Eagles always seem to score for 20 points. He talked to Doug about it yesterday. The Eagles' offense is good. It could become really good if Carson starts hitting those passes down the field. That will take a pretty good offense and make it a really good offense. And you know what? I'm not running, worried about the running game. Two weeks ago, we are like, oh, they can't run the ball. They ran for 193 last week. Sproles will hurt. Not having him will hurt in a lot of aspects. But I think the Eagles can run the football. Carson's got to take that next step. He's going through progressions better, doing a lot of things better. Next step, hitting that deep pass. And this offense really... We'll start humming eight at 9494 8, Joe Gilio hanging out with you on this Saturday morning. We get back. We'll talk to Howard Eskin. He'll join us coming up. Sports Radio ninety four WIP eight forty eight on a beautiful Saturday morning right here. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Joe Giglio in for Howard Eskin this morning. Eight at eight seven two nine ninety four ninety four. That's how you get aboard. And right now on the lines with us is Howard, the host of the show, is getting set to head out to Los Angeles with the Eagles. Howard, good morning.
4: Good morning, Joe. How are you this fine morning?
1: I'm doing well. Just trying to calm people down who want to fire Doug Peterson over a fourth and eight.
4: It's the coach or the quarterback, and they won't touch the quarterback. And you're right; they. It's just it's so over the top with the criticism. Every coach makes mistakes. Even the the brilliant genius of all geniuses, Bill Belichick, he makes mistakes. But they just they can't let it go. They but that's just what it is it doesn't matter who the coach is eventually but they started early on on doug but it's it's it's, it's just it's ridiculous he's in his second year uh and he's done some good things uh pointed out by the numbers
1: yeah and you pointed one of those numbers out yesterday i heard you uh talking to doug during the press conference on friday and you mentioned the eagles one of only three teams in the nfl to score 20 points in every game dating back to last year they're They're a pretty consistent offense, even though last year you didn't have much to work with.
4: Well, here's what the statistic is, and it just shows you where they stay in the NFL. The Eagles have scored 20-plus points more than all but, I thought it was uh, two teams. It's three teams. And I think Green Bay changed that with the game the other night. Uh, Atlanta's number one. New England's number two. The Eagles were three. Now, Green Bay's three, and the Eagles are four, scoring the, the most times teams have scored 20-plus points a game. Uh, that's pretty good company, I would, I would think. Uh, I, and, but people don't care about They don't care about that. They look at the fourth and eight. Hey, I don't agree with it. Uh, but but there's, there's a lot of good things he, he has done uh, that, that people just don't look at. Let's, let's let it play through this year. They have a good year. Um, you know, he'll be back. If he doesn't have a good year, then people will start to question it, and I understand it.
1: Yeah, that's just the way it goes with any coach. Howard, before we look, on, look out to this game and, and the trip to Los Angeles, the thing I liked about it, forget the call itself and if it was right or wrong, Doug's aggressive. If I, I like a coach that is going to, you know, play to his strengths, do what, do what he thinks the team is, is best at doing. I like that he's aggressive. He doesn't shy away from that.
4: I, I like the aggressiveness, but it was the time of the game. Uh, If it's in the middle of the quarter, uh, you know, people are going to complain about it, but I don't have as big a problem. With only 2.36 left in the half, knowing the Giants couldn't move the football and knowing how good Donnie Jones is uh, with a chance to keep him inside the 20, uh, that's where I had a little bit of a problem with it. But I like the aggressiveness, and the players like the aggressiveness. I I couldn't find one player that questioned what he did uh, because they liked the fact that he's aggressive, and they like that. They really do like that.
1: They do, and that's the key. I and mean, if they like playing for him, they like the way he coaches. Right. I-, I think things are going to be all right. The- Howard, this is a tricky game. You know, I'm looking at it. The Chargers are slightly favored, though. If you look back the last 40 games, they're really bad. I know they play a lot of close games, but they're 11 and 29 in their last 40. What's your read on this game? I-, I think the Eagles are better, but I think it's a, a tricky spot.
4: Well, they're on the road, so that makes it tough, although I would bet there'll be more Eagles fans in that stadium of 27,000 seats, Uh, more Eagles fans than there will be Chargers fans. I don't even know if there are Chargers fans out there. L.A. people haven't grown to like them. San Diego people can't stand them because they move, so I, I I like the Eagles. It's not an easy game, but you're right, the Chargers, you know, you are what your record says you are, and... The Chargers just don't, for whatever reason, they always find ways to lose. Uh, so and now I, I saw the number this morning. It's up to two and a half, the Chargers. And I think that's because of the injuries that were announced yesterday by the Eagles. I think the betting public kind of bets the Chargers because they see Fletcher Cox is out. Uh, they see there's other people out in the secondary. So I, Fletcher Cox is a big... Uh, You know, that's a big hole for the Eagles to fill because the pass rush kind of helps the secondary. But I still like the Eagles to win the game because they are a better team. West to east is not as tough as, I mean, east to west is not as tough as west to east when you travel. So you pick up the three hours. Uh, I don't know if it makes any difference. The Eagles are going to try to stay on east coast time when they go out there, early bed check, you know, all those things. Again, I don't know if it makes any difference because once you start playing a football game, you play a football game. Uh, And uh, I think they're just a better team. I know they're a better team, and I think they'll win the game. But I don't think it's going to be easy.
1: Howard, one more on the Eagles, then I want to get your thoughts on, on the day the Phillies had yesterday and, and what's going to happen moving forward. What's your read on this Eagles team now through three games? We have a lot of football to play, but last year they started 3-0, and and there, there were parts of that team you could tell probably weren't built for the long term to win 10, 11 games. They weren't ready for it last year. What do you think of them now? You think this is a good team we're watching here moving forward?
4: Well, I thought they were a 9-win team with a little luck, a 10-win team, and that's not because... The team is not that team. The schedule is is really tough, and it gets tougher when you get to December because then they have three straight road games, which almost never happens anymore. And in your, when you play three straight, that third straight road game is brutal, and that happens to be the Giants game uh, in, the, you know, in the Meadowlands. So uh, they play Seattle, then they play the Rams, and that's a tough part of the schedule. The Rams aren't as bad as we thought they were. I don't think it's good. I don't think they're as good as some people think they are, but it's a schedule that's really that's really difficult. So if they get through this game and win this game, uh, they're probably a ten-win team. Because you figure, oh, if they get through the first four games and they're two and two, you'd be happy. Well, the three and one would be better with a bad Arizona team coming in uh, to the link uh, the following week. Carolina's not that good, so they have some good parts of the schedule early, and that's where they have to win. But. Right? I, I always thought they were a good team. I just didn't know how good. And they're still missing parts uh, of their defense because uh, Ronald Darby uh, obviously is important to their secondary. He'll be back at sometime this year, which will help the secondary as well. So uh, they're a good team. I mean, I, how good depends on the quarterback. Uh, certainly getting – he's got to grow a little bit more. He's got to be a little bit better. But I don't think because he didn't have a good game numbers-wise last week you can blame it on him. I think they got to pass the ball more for him to have a rhythm. I don't think he had a rhythm last week because they ran the ball so much. And for all the and I don't know if you're one of them, Joe. This pass run ratio nonsense.
1: No, I'm not, Howard. It drives me crazy. Whatever you need to do that week to win the game is what you should do.
4: You got to pass the football to score. When you run the football, you don't score enough points. And in this, in the NFL, you need to score, and you score by passing, and you keep the lead by running. Uh, you know, got to mix the run in a little bit, but this, this, this equal pass-run ratio is such nonsense. It was 7 nothing last week, and they ran the ball really well. Right, what does that – nothing and a half. What does that really tell you? You need to score points and to pass is the way you do it. And, uh, and Carson gets in a better, better rhythm when he passes the football more, and I think they got to run the ball. There's no question, but there's all this, this, this pass, this balance and pass-run, it's, it should be 60-40. That's what it should be. Uh, tops, uh, you know, I don't think you should run the ball any more than that because you, you don't score enough points.
1: Yeah, I think that's where the Eagles were last year, just about 60-40. Howard, i got to ask you uh, before I let you go about the Phillies, about what happened yesterday. Pete and getting moved to the front office. They relieve him of his duties as manager. Uh, were you, how surprised were you when the news came? I mean, I'm not surprised that this happened at some point yesterday, though I wasn't expecting it.
4: Well, I guess I'm not totally surprised because the discussion came up with Pete. I go to his uh, his four o'clock uh, media sessions every day, and you know he says, "I hope I'm back. I think I've done a good job. I think I should be back." But the question was there: uh, was I a little surprised? Yes, because the Phillies are going to maybe a plus 500 team in the second half of the season, uh, and that's what the front office didn't want. You know, and I'll explain that. And I know you're, you think it was a good move. I think Pete McCannon, a good man, a manager is probably the least effective or the least important manager or head coach in professional sports, a baseball manager.
1: I agree because with that. You
4: really, all you have to do is get the players to play for you. Get the players to respect you. To play. It's, a, it's, a, it's an individual game. And if you get them to play for you, that's all part of it. All the moves you question—that's just baseball for a hundred years. You question the moves, and he got the players. He had the players respect. He got the players to play for him. You see what happened the second half. He had Drek. He had garbage the first half. They had injuries. They had bad free agent signings. And then when they started to bring up the young players who looked like they can play, they started to play better. So then when he had better players, and that's what it comes down to, uh, the Phillies won. And I think he did a good job, and I don't think he, he should have been fired. But here's what I think this front office wants of Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail. They want their guy. They want their guy. And and Pete McCannon was not their guy. And the reason they didn't let him go in the next year because now they feel that they've got a chance to win. And if Pete McCannon had been here next year and they started to win, then they couldn't fire him. And all along, he was just a stopgap in their mind. He uh, was just a go-between because they always wanted their guy. So they were going to let Pete McCannon manage the team until it was the time to get their guy. And they couldn't let him go by by that uh, thinking. They couldn't let him go into next year because he would have won. He would have won. And that's what they didn't want uh, it's because they want their guy. Uh, and uh, I think it was wrong. Uh, and I don't know who their guy is. I mean, Buck Showalter comes to mind. I think he's going to be fired in Baltimore. Uh, McBale hired him in Baltimore. Uh, I, I don't want, uh, Buck Showalter. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a, a general, he's a dictatorial. He's just, there's just something about him I don't like, but they'll be their guy. And I know Matt Klintak knows mike Sosha and everybody thinks well if he comes here uh then maybe mike trout will come here mike trout's contract isn't over isn't up until after 2020 the angels aren't going to get rid of him uh and at that point they'll already have their team in place so it, it's too bad but that's the way i look at it and mike is a good manager but they want a guy and and i think they could control Showholder because they hired him before i don't think they could control socia and they want a guy that they can control. I don't agree with it. I think it was wrong because of it. All you want to do is a team to play under your manager. And they did that the second half of the season. But that's not what they wanted. They want their guy. Yeah, I, I agree with wrong.
1: you on the point that it felt like that they never envisioned him as the manager when it started to matter. And yeah. I think next year they think it starts to matter. Now we'll watch the search. Uh, you, you mentioned some big names. I think Dusty Watson, who's rose with these kids, might be a candidate to it. He's interesting.
3: Yeah,
4: he's a name because he's been in the organization. but And to get a fresh face is good, but I'm not sure that's what they want I, because he's not their guy. They didn't hire him. He's been in the organization. They want uh, and, and that's where I don't trust. I agree with the pace that they went with, and waiting to bring players up, I agree with all that. With Matt Clentak and having patience, and and moving forward, and I don't think there'll be big free agents at the end of this year. It'll be next year. Uh, Machado is one of the guys they target. They target Harper too. I don't know that he'll he'll come here, but I think they want their guy. That's where Watson. I don't know where if Watson fits in, but there's no question uh, he'll be he'll be interviewed, and it's just. I, I, they really, and you. Brought, I think you brought it up earlier in the show. They really haven't had a manager search since Charlie Manuel. Well, you got to go back before that, because that was not a man, and that wasn't the same uh, regime. That was not a manager search. The Phillies had promised Jim Tomey when he came here, and that's why that was a dog and pony show and a charade when they hired Charlie Manuel and they interviewed other people because they promised Tomey that he'd be the next manager. When the manager job became available, if he signed with the Phillies, so that was just a joke. So they really haven't had a manager search until before that. So this is the real. This is the real. But is this a real search? Ask you. Ask yourself that question. They do. They already have a couple of guys in mind uh, that they're going to target. And they're going to go after uh, as they go through this search. They'll interview people because that's what they do. Uh, but I don't know if they, they don't already have a guy in mind.
1: Yeah, they might. We'll find out. It should be interesting that you're right. They haven't had one of these in earnest in a long time. Howard, I appreciate you hopping on and uh, have a safe flight out. Enjoy the game tomorrow.
4: All right, Joe. Hey, listen, Joe, I miss the Borgata. And I know you're not there. I'm missing you. It's a nice place. You just kind of pass through there when you come down there. I missed the book out of this morning, so I'll be back next week. So, all those people that are coming by and wanting to say hello, I'll see you next week. I, I really do miss the book.
1: Oh, I'm sure they're walking by the Gypsy Bar saying, Where's Howard this morning? <laughs>
4: yeah, that's right. I'm on my way to L.A. <laughs> all right,
1: Howard. Appreciate it.
4: All right, Joe. Take care. There
1: he goes. Howard Eskin calling in. What? To the Howard Eskin Show. 8, 729 9494 pound 9494. That's how you get aboard we get back, your phone calls, Eagles, Chargers. It's a tricky spot the Eagles with a better team. I'll tell you why when we get back. I think this is a sneakily important game. You look at it, road game, AFC. I think it's important. I'll tell you why to the Eagles actually making the playoffs this year. We'll talk about that. More in the Phillies, the search, coming up. Sports Radio 94, WIP.
4: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.